0: So if you have your Bibles or electronic devices you can click to or turn to with me, Philippians chapter 2 is where we're going to be this morning. We're only going to look at two verses, 12 and 13. And then we'll, we'll read a couple of other verses to help us understand what Paul was communicating in the book of Philippians. And, um, and so if you don't have an electronic device with a Bible app or something like that, or a Bible, uh, no worries. The words are going to come up on the screens as I read them as we walk through this scripture together. So Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13 is where we're going to be this morning. And I've entitled this message, How God Changes Me. Not how God changes my spouse, my wife, my husband, my friend, my supervisor, that person that I don't like or anything like that. How does God change me? Because what I'm finding is there's a lot of attention many times that we give to focused on somebody else and trying to change somebody else. When you look at Scripture, you realize one of the common themes through the New Testament, especially in Paul's writings, is this. Purify yourself. Sanctify yourself. Grow in Him. And so the focus should be on yourself instead of others. And so this morning, I just want to talk to you about this subject of how does how does God change me? Because I think that's really important for every one of us to understand because Christianity Christianity is like a one-time decision, right? So Christianity is a one-time decision, but it should unleash, unleash in you and unleash in me a, a, an invitation into a pursuit of holiness, When when you look at this issue, salvation, it will change your destination. Salvation changes where you're headed. Forgiveness of sin and all of those other things, it changes your destination. But spiritual growth changes the direction in your life. It changes your life. And many times we as evangelicals, you know what we focus on? We focus on salvation. Just getting people saved, getting people to the place to where they meet Christ. But yet, there's so much more about that in scriptures has talked about, this issue of spiritual growth, this issue of personal growth. John Wesley, I used this quote last week, and this quote has just, just kind of formed some of my thinking. And John Wesley said this, he said, no one is truly happy that is not pursuing holiness, and God designed us to pursue holiness. And so, before God does something great through you, he wants to do something great in you. And so, it's not just the Christian life. Listen, the Christian life is not just about changing your destination, it's about changing your life. Jesus is the one that said this, right? I came to give you life and life more abundantly. So he's talking about abundant living in this life, and he's talking about abundant living in the life to come. And so that's what I want to talk to you this morning. Listen, last week I gave you the four L's, something that just kind of shaped me and a commitment that I made. That resonated with many of you, uh, I, I emails and, and conversations this last week that I had with many of you, and, and about just the four L's, and so in, cl- in case you missed that, that I'm going to live my life, the first thing is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love well. I'm just going to love well in the season that we're in, that the, the scripture says, the Lord love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, love your neighbor as yourself. And so I'm going to extend grace, and I'm going to to do the very best I can to love well. The second thing is this. I'm going to laugh often. I mean, there's something that Proverbs 12 says. It is good medicine for the body when we just laugh. And it's an indication in my life that when I'm not focused on what I need to be focused on, laughter seems to be the first thing that goes away. Or it's not free. It's just kind of hard. And then I'm going to look for God's mercies every day. I'm going to look for where God is working. Listen, I'm telling you. God is working in your midst and my midst right now. God is working in our life right now. And being able to acknowledge that and see that is so important. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live on mission, the mission that God has given me. And so Paul begins talking about this issue of spiritual growth. And Paul helps us to understand there's God's part and there's your part in spiritual growth, that God has a role to play and you have a role to play. And, and listen, it, it is possible, Right. It is possible to be a believer. It is, a po- it is possible to change your destination. It is possible to be a, a, a child of God and all of those other things, forgiven and go to heaven, and not be a disciple. A lot of times we never talk about this. But it is possible to be a christian but not a disciple not come to the place to where you take up your cross and you follow him and you deny yourself and you begin taking scripture and applying it to your life so paul uses paul uses two phrases working in and working out and in and, and we're going to frame the message around that philippians chapter 2 verse 12 here's what the scripture says verse 12 it says therefore my dear friends just if you have always obeyed. So now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out. There's the first phrase. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is working in. So there's the second one. For it is God who is working in you, both to will and to work according to his good purpose. So now all of a sudden you have two phrases, working out and working in. Working out is, is my part. Working out is your part. Working in is like God's part in your spiritual growth. In other words, we're to work out what God is working into our life, not working for our salvation because Scripture says, right, salvation is a gift. It's, it's, it's by grace that you are saved, not by works, lest any man or any woman should, should boast. And so Paul is writing to believers the context of this Paul is writing to believers, but you see, all through Paul's writings, I'm telling you, whether it's in Galatia, whether it's in Colossae, whether it was in Corinth, whether it's the letter to the Romans, Paul constantly was talking about this uh, issue of becoming spiritually mature. Uh, don't be babies. I wish I, I wish I could address you as mature, mature Christians, but I can't. And so I have to give you milk instead of meat and all of those things. And, and Paul, this is a burden in Paul's life to where I want to be able to present you mature in my ministry. So when you look at Paul's life, Paul, this was a burden of Paul, helping people come to the place to where they mature believers. And so this working out is like working out the implications of your salvation. Working out the implications of your, your 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 Christianity, and so so I thought to myself, well, what do you do when you work out? Honestly, I don't know. Just <laughs> to be totally honest, I'm sorry, but I. I have gone to very few gyms. Only reason I've ever gone to a gym is because Karen wanted to go check one out, and so I went with her. I've never understood a lot of gyms. I don't know why you guys, like, put the cardio stuff on the second floor where you have to walk the stairs to get to the Stairmaster. That's crazy. Take and the, put it on the first floor. Why should we have to do that? Anyway, I have, I, I have gone to very few gyms. I Listen, just a little bit about me. I may be tempted to take up jogging if I ever drove past anybody jogging and it looked like they were having fun. I mean, if you were laughing, if you were smiling, if it even looked like even a hint that you were enjoying running, then I might would take up running. I feel the same way about exercising and, and gyms. And if I ever saw anyone like enjoying it, I may be tempted to take it up. But, but here's what I, th- I think I know about working out. You work out. Listen, you work out not to get a body, but to develop the body you already have. You work out, right? You work out. The reason you go to a gym, if you go to a gym, the reason you exercise is to develop what you already, what you already have. If, you, if you're into jigsaw puzzles, our family is, and so if you're into jigsaw puzzles, then, then you know what? All the pieces come in the box, and you're just working out what, what's already in the box, you're working out the pieces. You're putting the pieces. To, see, this is what Paul's talking about. It means to get full value of what you possess, full value of your spiritual life, full value of Christianity. When a farmer, listen, a farmer works the ground, he's, he's cultivating it, not work far, but he's, he's, like, he's like working it out. And then when Paul says, work out your salvation, the implications of your salvation, the implications of you coming into the kingdom, it's so interesting. He, works, he says, work out your. And it is a personal assignment. So many times, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll put our whole focus on somebody else. How they should work out the implications of their salvation a little bit better. Why don't they have more faith? Why did they make this decision? Why are they doing this? Look at all that other stuff. And Paul says, all through Paul's writings, it's like, purify yourself, sanctify yourself. We're talking about this issue, just a theological word, of sanctification, becoming more like Jesus, becoming more like Christ. You understand that, listen, you understand that salvation, it's, it's working out the implications of your salvation, not someone else. And you do it, what the scripture says, with fear and trembling. Listen, it is not that you live in fear of God, but you respect him. And you understand that, you know what, it is as important. This is like critical that I that I figure this out. Take your spiritual life seriously. Take your salvation seriously. Understand it has it has implications. Living life more abundantly in this life and the life to come. I mean, this was this was like life and death issue. In fact, is this is like just for free, just real quickly. We're life journaling through First and Second Timothy. If you if you life journal with us, and and Paul tells Timothy, when Paul was mentoring Timothy. Paul looks at Timothy and says, Timothy, you lead your congregation in a way of authenticity and transparency so that they may see your progress in the faith. They may see you grow more and more spiritually mature. You know, that's always been one of my prayers that those of you that have been with us like 5 years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, or even 25 years, that you could say about me, you know what? He's not the same pastor we had five years ago. He's not the same person we had 10 years ago. He's not the same person we had 25 years. That is my prayer for my wife. That is my prayer for my family, that they could see me progressing in the faith. They could see more and more what is coming out of me as the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, Against such thing, there is no law. And so what Paul is talking about, Paul is talking about this issue that God is working in you. That's why these four L's mean so much to me in this season that we're in. It kind of frames it for me that God is working something in you, and then you work out the implications of that. So just three things this morning about how God changes me how God changes you just so we're tracking and we're talking about this issue of discipleship, we're talking about this issue of sanctification. The first one is this, is he uses his word. That is the first thing that he does. He just, he just uses his word. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God, is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be what? May be complete, may be mature, May progress in the faith, equipped for every good work. The Bible, listen, the Bible changes our thoughts, and as our thoughts change, it changes us. Listen, We just so we're tracking this morning, when we read the Bible, we are not reading the Bible for information, but for transformation. It's possible. I'm just telling you. It is possible in the Christian life for you or for I, to have a stack of Bible study books. And we filled out all the blanks. We've completed all the homework. We have the blanks. We've completed all the homework, but it has never transformed our life. That's possible. It's possible, right? It's possible for a believer to be a Christian for like 30 years, yet their life looks more like they've been a Christian 30 days. They've never worked through some things in their life. It is possible to read Scripture. It is possible to do Bible studies. And it never totally transformed your life. We read Scripture. Listen, we read Scripture not for information. We hear sermons not just for information. Information's good, and we need to understand some things. I get that. I'm pursuing another degree right now. And so we read Scripture for information, and I understand that, but not just information, but for transformation. And if, if you're serious about changing your life, then you need to get into the Scriptures. You need to read it. You need to memorize it. You need to meditate on it. It's shocking when you look... Listen, it's just shocking when you look at statistics that are out there when the Pew Research or the Gallup poll or some of those polls survey Christians and ask them how often you read Scripture. And it would say that the majority of Christians don't read Scripture during the week. It's just something that they do not do. And and there's some people that will just simply say, you know what, I I struggle in my life. I struggle in my life with this issue, issue of faith. But Paul, in Hebrews, Paul says... Faith comes by what? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Listen, you cannot You cannot have faith in somebody you do not know. It's impossible to have faith in someone you do not know. That's why we're people of the book. That's why we read scripture. That's why we're a student of the Bible because it's in, it, it increases our faith. As we open up the scriptures, not just for information, but for transformation, that means we take the scriptures and we start applying them to our situation. We start applying them to our life. It increases It increases our faith. What, what Paul is trying to help us understand is, you know what? Growth is not automatic in the Christian life. Salvation may change your destination. But spiritual growth, listen, spiritual growth takes work. Spiritual growth takes effort. Your thoughts, listen, your thoughts just don't direct your life. Your thoughts are your life. And whatever, listen, whatever change that you want to make in life and whatever change that I want to make in life, you know what it starts? It's, it starts with your with your thoughts. And so the Bible has a word for that, and it's not a popular word anymore, and we don't like to talk about it. Uh, but a, the Bible has a word called repentance. And something is going away in, like, evangelical Christianity of and, and that's such a weird term, all in itself. But confession of, script, uh, of sin seems to be gone. When was the last time you confessed sin? When was the last time you didn't confess like somebody else's sin? I can't believe they're doing that. I can't believe that's their attitude. I can't believe that's their action. When was the last time? When was the last time you confessed your sin? This, this, this biblical word repentance means simply this. It means to agree with God. It means to say the same thing with God. It means to change your thoughts, to change your mind that leads to a change of action. That's repentance. In other words, if you're if you're on this path and you can look down the road and you say, you know what, there's a bridge out somewhere. And it's going to be a lot of pain and it's going to be destruction. And, and so as a result of that, I can't head down this road anymore. And so I need to change my mind, what leads to a change of action, to where I change my direction. That's repentance. There's some people say, well, you don't understand. I've confessed sin over and over and over, and I still don't feel the peace of God. That's because it needs to be coupled with this issue of repentance. And so Paul begins talking about this issue that that Scripture, the reason that we read Scripture is for a transformation of the mind. That's why in life journaling, when we read Scripture together, that that we craft a prayer, we craft a prayer out of our application. God, because of the Scripture I just read today, help me to do better whether it's i need to forgive someone whether it's i need to show love to someone it's whether i need to quit doing something or whether it's encouragement and continue to keep doing and so it's, it comes out of application look romans paul writes to the romans and he says in 12:2 do not be conformed to this age but be transformed how by the renewing of your mind the renewing of your thoughts so that you may discern what is good, pleasing and the perfect will of God. Do you realize what Paul says, the only way that we're ever, the only way we're going to be able to discern out a perfect choice of the perfect will of God is through is through is through his word. Is through reading of his word, not just not just for information. But for transformation, how do I apply this to my life? How do I I make some changes? I mean, the scripture says, thy word is is, is like truth, is what Jesus talked about. The the psalmist talked about this in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 and 3. Watch this. The psalmist is talking about this issue. He said, how happy is the one who does not walk in the vice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. We're going to understand what that means. Verse 2, indeed, his delight is is in the Lord's instructions. He meditates on it day and night. His word, what does it mean to meditate? He meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree. A tree in the Old Testament was a symbol for a life. It was a symbol for a person. And he goes and he says, he is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruits in season and its leaf does not wither when problems comes and hurt comes or drought comes, in this case, Whatever he does, he prospers. So all of a sudden, the psalmist in Psalms says, you you, you got a couple of choices. And and, and he says, don't go and sit in the seat or the path of sinners or the path of mockers. Now, we may not understand what that means, but here's what that means. In their time, they they had no way to escape. They had no way to, like, escape life or to check out. And so, uh, I mean, not like us, right? that if we want to, like, escape or just kind of check out of things at the end of the day, we can pull up Facebook and we can scroll through Facebook or social media, whether it's Twitter, or Instagram, TikTok, whatever, and we can just, or, or we can binge watch something, right? And we can totally escape. Well, they didn't have that. I mean, they didn't have, like, binge, they didn't have, like, Netflix of their day. They couldn't, like, go home and binge, you know, Housewives of Jerusalem or anything like that or Real Housewives of Jerusalem or Keeping Up with Bathsheba or anything like that. They didn't. They didn't have it, so they couldn't check out. So you know what they did to check out when they came in for in the evenings and they got the kids to the bed. To bed, they would go down to the city gates. They would go down to the city gates and they had a choice where they could sit. And the city gates was a place to hang out. It was a place to kind of escape the world for a while. And then what what he's saying is, be careful who you sit with. Don't sit or stand in the pathway of sinners. Or in the company of mockers, that person that's mocking everything, mocking authority, mocking people, mocking the church, mocking other people, mocking Christians, do not do that. Instead, if, if, if you want to prosper, then you meditate on God's Word like day and night. And that's why reading of Scripture, I just, I'm just telling you, that's why reading of Scripture, it may be awkward and hard at first, and there may be some things you don't understand, but you will over time. And reading Scripture is the first way that he changes. The second thing he uses to change this is the Holy Spirit. In other words, at salvation, God puts his Spirit in you to empower you. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 11, here's what he says. And if the Spirit of him who who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through, through his Spirit who lives in you. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, Paul's talking to the, the Corinthians, and here's what he writes. We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord or being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. And so God's plan for your life and God's plan for my life to change me is first through his word, and that's why we have to read it. And second, through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what gives us the power to change. Wouldn't it be cruel of God? Wouldn't it be like God is mocking us if he asks us to do something that we can never do? That's why he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it's through the Holy Spirit that we are empowered. It's through the Holy Spirit that we now have the, the power to be able to do that. It's, it's kind of like for me. It would be frustrating if like someone, someone gave you a car and then you and then you couldn't get any fuel for the car and you had this powerful engine but you couldn't use the car why because there's no 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 fuel. It'd be frustrating for us, right? That if we went down to the gas station and there were long lines and they had no gas. Wait a minute. We've done that. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I mean, we've actually done that. I mean, to where you've gone to a gas station, there's long lines, there's fistfights, people cutting, they run out of gas. You, do you know what it's like to drive around Pueblo to six or eight gas stations trying to find gas? You've got to go to Springs for a meeting the next day or a conference that you're doing. And the desperation we feel, listen, that same desperation that we have to get fuel for our car should be the same desperation that we have for the Holy Spirit to empower us. We should understand that just like fuel is to a car, In the the Christian life, the Holy Spirit is fuel to the Christian. And it doesn't have to be weird and it doesn't have to be strange. Listen, one of the ways that you and I know that we are full of the Holy Spirit, just what the Bible says. It's not something weird that happens. It's not something that's strange that happens. It's not something that's confusing to happen. The way you and I know that we are full of the Holy Spirit is when all of a sudden our life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, the fruit of the Spirit come out in our life. Because the only way, listen, the only way that we can display the fruit of the Spirit in our life, what the Scripture says, is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked about this, just the ministry of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 15, verse 4. Remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it also remains on the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. Watch this. Because you could do nothing without me. How much stuff are we trying to do without God? How much stuff are we trying to accomplish without God? I mean, he's pretty clear. That if you want to produce something, if you want to produce a heart, if you want to live this life and this life more abundantly, it's going to take us remaining in him. It's going to take us with a, with a relationship because what, what he's saying, a branch cannot produce fruit by itself. It has, to be, it has to be connected. and It has to be connected to the tree, and that's what he's saying. He's saying, you have to be connected to I me. Mean, one of the ways that we do that is through the Holy Spirit. One of the ways that we do that is through his word. Who through his word, one of the one of the listen, one of the things for me, one of the indicators for me, one is the fruit of the spirit is not displayed in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. But the other thing that is apparent in my life is prayer. I think one of the reasons a lot of people struggle with this issue of prayer, because it's a misunderstanding of prayer. Prayer is not transactional. I think that's why a lot of people give up on prayer. Prayer is not transactional. It's, it's uh, well, let me, let me tell you this, this way. Prayer is not transactional. If prayer was transactional, Jesus would have never prayed, right? If all prayer is is like telling God your needs list and getting a bunch of stuff from God and getting God to do some things for you, then Jesus would have never had to pray, right? So prayer, prayer is not transactional. You know what prayer is? Prayer is relational. It's getting to know the Father. It's getting to know his heart. Prayer is this issue of just in relationship with, with, with him to where all of a sudden you realize that this issue of prayer is just trans- tra- tra- it's not transactional. It, it, it's, 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 it's relational to where you're getting to know him because guess what? You cannot trust someone you do not know. And prayer is coming into a relationship with God. It's something that's very spiritual. It's something that happens It's very personal. It's like this personal conversation, and sometimes we get, we get some definitions confused because the Scripture says that we should pray continually. And we all of a sudden confuse that word with continuously. See, continuously means this. And he never said we pray continuously. He said we pray continually. And when you just look up the definitions of that word, continuous is to never be broken. It's a, it's a continuous action. It's an action to, like, never stop. But he says continual. We continually pray. Means, which means to be repeated multiple times in the same way. That's why the Jews, the Jewish people, they would pray three times a day, m- uh, morning, noon, and, and then dinner in the evenings because it, they were continually praying different times of the day, the same behavior, the same action. And I, listen, I've developed in my prayer life. Listen, I personally did not grow in prayer until I came to the end of myself. Until I came into a situation, we'll talk about in that just a second second about circumstances, until I came to the end of myself. And I couldn't will it to happen, I couldn't make it happen, I didn't have enough resources, I didn't have and, and, and when I came to the end of myself, see, I, I think that's a lot of us. That as long as we think we can do it on our own, we'll continue to do it. And that's why God uses a third thing to change us, and that is circumstances. God uses the word, God uses the Holy Spirit. But I think the best thing that God uses to change us is circumstances. When problems and pressures and headaches and difficulties and stress and all of those crises, isn't it true, when you go through a difficult situation, God gets your attention. Uh, this is, this is what, what Paul said in Romans eight twenty eight. He says, we know that all things work together for the good for those who love God who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be what? To be conformed to the image of God, his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. And God has used circumstances, listen, God has used circumstances in my life to change me. And sometimes we get circumstances, difficulties, problems, confused with waiting. God does two different things in the waiting. If you're waiting on God right now to answer a prayer, to take care of a situation, you know what God's doing in your life? He's working on your relationship. In the waiting is when He works on our relationship, when you understand that prayer is just a relational in in struggles and in problems and in circumstances. That's when God works on perseverance, endurance, and character and some of those other things. And so he first works through his word, then he works through the Holy Spirit. And if that doesn't get our attention, then he works through circumstances. Listen, even if I was to read or you were read the Bible like six or eight hours a day, that's still not a major section of your life. There's 24 hours in a day. And many times God depends more on the third way to back in to this issue of his word, to issue of of the Holy Spirit. And and so Jesus, Jesus talked about this. And I'll close with this. And and so so Jesus talked about being hearers and doers of his word. And Jesus was very clear. My disciple, my disciple that's growing, not only hears my words, but does them. That's how he defined it. And so John chapter 17, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and 27. Here's what the scripture says. And Jesus, Jesus is talking. this pretty serious deal. And he says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on a rock. So now, all of a sudden, he begins helping us understand, hear and do. And then watch this verse, verse 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against the house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. When you read this scripture, you realize that a lot of times, when storms come into our life, it exposes in my life and exposes in your life what has built, been built on sand and what has built, been built on the rock. Because a storm, a storm will wash away everything that we haven't built, hasn't been built on His Word that hasn't been built, and all of a sudden, see, that's the thing about circumstances. That's the thing about problems that we go through is all of a sudden we know very quickly that a storm shows us in a very real way sand and rock in our life. And many times God uses circumstances in my life and circumstances in your life to say, you know what, Charlie, when you went through this storm, all of a sudden you know the areas of your life that you heard my word and you didn't apply them. And it was sand in your life. God uses three ways to change us. He uses His Word, He uses the Holy Spirit, and He uses circumstances that we walk through. I I I really believe it. The greatest the greatest display of faith in your life in my life is not so much when God answers that prayer, takes us out of the storm, or we can, and then we praise Him. But when we're in the midst of the storm and we just stand on the rock, and we just stand on the rock because we know him, because we have a relationship with him. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?